Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where I've heard that uh, if you listen to it for long enough, it causes fear, emptiness, and despair. Yes, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. And for those people who aren't Super Metal Brother Dan, they would know that's a Napalm Death reference. And why would I be bringing up, Daniel, Napalm Death on the Super Metal Brothers? Well, there's a big show coming up in a couple of weeks' time, Matt. I believe it's the uh, it's New, Dead, New, Dead Fest. New Dead Metal Fest. Thank you very much here in Adelaide. We'll be having a, what, three international bands along with um, some of Australia's best. That's right. We've got Bajira. We've got Lock Up. We've talked about them, actually. We reviewed their album. Ignore what we say. They actually are a pretty good band. And uh, obviously, Napalm Death, uh, one of the, the metal's finest in the death metal genre. Grindcore, if you will, if you're into that kind of thing. But as you tell, you know, because a lot of uh, interstate and local metal bands all put together from the boys at Truth Inc. So make sure you go check that out if you are in Adelaide. But if you're not, you're probably listening to this podcast and wondering what we're talking about today. Exactly right. Oh, to be fair, those three international bands are doing like a Australian-wide tour, not part of New Death Fest, but their own thing. Mm. So check them out in your own city. And I think we should do a shout out to Clayton Carson because we um, said his name wrong last week and we want to say uh, thank you for your support and not suing us. And yeah, we weren't too sure why Ben came up, but apparently he is uh, some part of the like debate thing uh, or so American... American politics. Yeah, you can't, can't blame us. We, we there's more American politics on our TV than Australian <laughs> politics. <laughs> we love you there, Clayton. But uh, for this week's show, we got uh, some uh, controversy we thought we'd talk about, and that's well, this week. Uh, what are some things in metal that you don't love? We talked a lot about what we do love. You know, the music itself is very great. We all love it for a certain reason. But maybe there's something about it that not all aspects of the heavy metal genre, um, you know, are into it as much as you'd love to be, right? Which is okay. It's going to be okay. a very short segment. We were doing a retro review. We promised it would have been out last or yesterday. But uh, no, don't, don't worry about it. We're still going to do it. It's the Emma Sugar album. Destroy a race and improve all the way from 1995. Yes, we were alive back then. And no, we didn't know who Mashuga was. No, we didn't. All I just knew was a cool sound effect in the start of the song. That was, that's what that got me hooked. But until then, guys, let's talk the news. I don't know if there's any Believer fans out there, but Justin Bieber has told Marlon Manson that he made him relevant again. Friendship over. That didn't last very long, or did it? I wasn't too sure. I didn't realize they were even friends, Danny. Yeah, apparently, start of the year they kind of got together and did a compilation, or uh, they met or something. But what happened, start of the year as well, is Justin Bieber got like a Marlon Manson shirt and put like his image over it, kind of like what the uh, Kardashians did, was yeah, it? Yeah, with all these other famous bands. And then because of that, apparently he's like a really he was a really friendly person, like Bieber. But then like Marlon Manson told like you know you're a dick, get away from me. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that's the kind of thing, isn't it? Really, is that. I don't know how people think Justin Bieber is a good guy. Like, he's done so many bad things for his fans. And I remember back in the day, you know, he was done for spitting on his fans. He arrived late, like, by at least an hour and a half or something. He got there, like, at 10.30 or 11 to do a show. And uh, the, the parents, obviously, were pissed off because they are the biggest uh, market, you know, the 10 to 15-year-old girls. And um, and he didn't even care. He was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, no refunds or anything, you know. So I'm not too sure why people even think this guy's a nice guy. But the nerve of him as well to sell out, you know, he made him like relevant again. That's that's pretty strong words, Justin Bieber. I think more likely people try to make Justin Bieber relevant again because yeah. he's gone, man, you know. He, yeah, he's, right. he's now over 20. He don't cares about you. That's anymore. right. He's, he basically looks like that creepy guy in front of like uh, kindergartens now. You know, that real weirdo, you know, the guy he like uh, has an overcoat and he keeps on uh, moving his front pockets for some reason. Uh, it's just the way it is now. He's uh, getting into 
that uh, senile era, and maybe that's what's happened. <laughs> senile. He's, he's forgotten. Yeah, he's forgotten what it, what he is to be relevant. And he just keeps on taking yeah. shit on people, whether but it's his fans or metalheads. Yeah, somewhat related news. Uh, Marilyn Manson has a new album coming out soon. So there you go. There's that for you. Maybe he made him relevant again by bringing more controversy. You're welcome, Marlon Manson. Yes. In Flames, this music genre and genre, he imagines, will last forever. I think we're talking about the lead singer here. I'm guessing what he's really talking about, though, isn't In Flames, because after that last album was finished, I've forgotten all about it, and uh, I feel happier for it. But I'm guessing the general, the metal music will last forever. Yeah, let's go with that, because they're like, the In Flames is not really... The, the candle in flames is kind of dying out. Yeah. It'll be like out of flames soon. Yeah, well, after the guitarist left, now now that it seems like the flames are out, it feels like more like the ocean, they should call themselves. But I guess like the ocean does more things than just be boring. So, uh, Yeah, he also like comes here and says he wishes he wasn't singing in front of the crowd and, sing, and watching Incubus play. Yeah, he said that that one time. Remember that sound wave? Sound wave, whatever it was ago. Oh, was that him? Yeah, that was him. He goes, oh, I wish I was over there. I think, I don't know, Nine Inch Nails or something was playing on another stage. I was like, oh, thanks, man. That's, well, I had that's, to just check great. it out because I'm like, maybe my memories didn't serve me correctly. So I watched some Probably. of that DVD that he released, obviously on YouTube, so what was illegal. And I heard him singing, and man, this guy is like probably one of the worst frontmen I've ever seen, which ties into what the guitarist, oh, guitarist said about him. Remember we had an article where he can't polish a turd? Wow. And you hear this guy sing, he's out of breath, like he can't sustain long notes, flat. And he always cuts him short. Like, he, he really struggles. And as a frontman, he's not very engaging. So it's um, maybe even Flames are uh, dying out. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. I think he's the only, like, uh, somewhat original member. And uh, yeah, I think even then he might have missed the first album. You know, things that are dying, hopefully not guitars, but Eric Clapton says they might. You know him as the guy who invented heavy metal, right? We talked about this two weeks ago. <laughs> <But> he hates it. <laughs> and he absolutely hates it for it, you know? He put a bullet in his head, he reckons. But yeah. guitar sales have been down by 33%. That's a lot. Globally, is it? Or just in the States? Uh, probably the States. Yeah, I think all these like guitar centers, I think that's like a guitar franchise that are like, starting to close down. It's looking quite yeah. bad. Yeah. The thing is, though, where things are going, I mean, like, you see, obviously the rich getting richer like paying less tax um something around i was watching a thing on cnn or reading an article saying how like there's 21 trillion dollars in money that's hidden in bank accounts all across the world technically you know so you're seeing this division of the, the very rich and that so the very poor have to go without something in order to have food shelter uh pornography you know they need the internet right so maybe guitars are just the victim that has to be slain maybe this is where we're at right now in uh, 2017 yeah, true. I think these days, well, people like are very lazy. That and, could be it too, though. Yeah, and becoming like a DJ or some stupid, crappy, computer-generated music person gets paid a shitload more and you don't have to learn or practice yeah. anything. Jo- John Frum, who plays in his uh, year 12 band uh, with three chords and his two drunken mates who are addicted to marijuana, is probably making more money and banging more girls than I ever will. And, uh, you know, he's got baby and love, you know, the Murphy's Law where you put you in there and talk about something like that and... Girls fall pregnant. It's it's a, it's a formula. There's science ridiculous. behind it. I don't know it because if I knew it, I wouldn't be here probably, would I? Ridiculous. Yeah. Have you got like a podcast formula we can use to get rich? That, <laughs> that doesn't exist. There is no like true, uh, trueness to a podcast getting rich yet. But um, we can also talk about uh, Diane Van Gisberger. She's um she's pretty hot. Sings for Zandria. Not anymore though. She actually is. Um, now, this is the most interesting article I've ever read of someone leaving a band where it's like she's basically leaving the band because of health reasons. But what do you suspect those health reasons are? Because she kind of keeps it pretty jaded. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she can say there's stress 
and that's the thing she kind of puts it down to that she's actually been like medically diagnosed as stress related yeah um again stress i'm not sure if she's overworked underappreciated underpaid just the tour is too much the demands too much i don't know so well many it felt like the band kind of cut her off so it was kind of you got the feeling that the band was like yeah you're not physically fit to do this anymore and that kind of thing maybe she just wanted a bigger slice of that pie and uh you know, I guess a fifth of five dollars isn't something that these bands want to part with right now. <laughs> the worst as well is like these bands are on a tight budget, so like the lead singers are required to like use uh, treadmills to power the rest of the um the, 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 the band. Yeah, and you can think the poor lad, she's like out of breath, she's like mentally and physically, she can't like run on stage and sing, so it's killing her. Well, I wonder what happens to Zanchia because they did have another singer before that. It's the classic goth metal kind of thing where the incredibly talented and extremely beautiful as rare as a time that would be to sing in heavy metal so i'm not too sure these girls are classically trained man when they're not singing in a metal band they're in some sort of conservatorium playing in front of these rich snobs who you know drive mercedes and make sure that the, their bus boys and, earn three dollars an hour and, and hire 21 trillion dollars in tax money <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right so what happens to Zanger, we won't know, but um, if it's anything that uh, diane was saying maybe they will be finding it hard to get another singer down uh, maybe these guys have been around for like 20 years or so and they've had like five singers in that time so they, they're used to like hiring new people for that role so yeah. they, as long as they keep the, that flyer and just put it back out there they'll they'll keep, get another one well Behemoth uh, urging the growl the lead singer from uh, and songwriter from Behemoth has urged the public to reserve judgment in the decapitated rape case we talked about this last week uh, these two chicks uh, putting a lawsuit against the four guys from decapitated uh, it's going to trial, I think, soon. You know, they're doing the whole thing. And uh, sensible words coming from him. Obviously, he is pretty tied in with the band. They played, they've played together. They've been on tour together. It'd be, I think that's what he was told. He's, he's, yeah. They've definitely been toured together. Are they both Polish as well? They might be as well. Yeah, yeah that's right. So I guess there's a connection, like being on the road together for a long time, maybe it's out of character from what he understands anyway. And... It's funny that he says people should reserve judgment because the band Venom Prison, who are on tour with him, decided not to do that and cancel their shows that are coming up with Decapitated. Well, that might make sense because if these guys are like have been incarcerated or they have like a tour band or travel band on them, they, you can't tour with them. So Except that they kind of went to the conclusion. I read that article and they were saying oh, how okay. it's like, uh, yeah, we, don't, we aren't into this whole thing. Like the guys raped the chick and rah, rah, rah. I'm like, hold on. Uh, yeah. We don't know that yet. Um, I think the smart thing we've done was to pull out and saying because because of those proceedings, you know, keep it political. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to like, you know, um, put those words out there because you might have to put add salt in a garnish because you have to eat them later. Yeah. So again, it's a very touchy situation. We aren't too sure. We're all the way in Australia, and with our internet in Adelaide, where it dials up, you know, three minutes uh, for a pixel of uh, you know SpongeBob SquarePants, it's not really worth it. Well, we just downloaded. Sugar's destroy raise improved now. It's only been like <laughs> 22 years. 995 2017, totally worth it. You thought it was a retro view. For us, it's a new release. <laughs> All right, Dan. So I want to talk things about offensive. Uh, we've talked about Justin Bieber. Yeah, that's pretty bad, man. Uh, talked about how much metalheads make. That's uh, very oh, that's offensive. Eric Clapton not liking metal. Oh, he invents it and takes a dump on it. Well, it's kind of like he, he treats metal as a toilet bowl and he's like that guy who invented toilet bowls. It's like, it's like he wants to be Gene Simmons or something. Oh, don't worry. We've got the Gene Simmons of the week coming up later. Infinite Annihilator banned from Spotify for allegedly being offensive. Danny, why are they banned? Well, no one is 100% certain. Uh, they thought it was the name of the band, but then I think maybe not because like anal C word is still there and Sam's like, uh, it's like prostitute 
something. Yeah. Uh, some, so they started looking into the names of the songs and found some of the names of the songs were maybe a little risque. I don't think so. I think it really is just the name of the band. Because the thing about like anal, you know, country metaphor. <laughs> Uh, and all these other bands is that it's not infant annihilator and people are very sensitive these days on being everything take like the gospel like that, that is where we are right now and uh, the poor band though isn't so poor because they are getting more recognition for it good yeah that, that's all, the whole point of metal yeah is that we're supposed to be flying in the face of the people who are getting offended by it whether it is from the outside or the inside who cares well like they say bad Publicity is still good publicity. It's, it's some publicity, you know. It's free. Right. And free we, we saw the NWA documentary in, in the Hoyt Cinemas, and these guys are having their CDs burnt in front of them. They're like, "Was well, all they paid for it? Who gives a shit?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The thing which is um, really ridiculous about these people banning stuff is that like you had in pop music, for example, that Lily Allen Bird sings that song, "It's Not Fair," which is all about you giving your bloke blowjobs, but he doesn't return the fact mm. favors you. And that's making the radio. No one finds that in song that 10-year-old no. girls are learning about blowjobs. No. But they have these song lyrics where I even know they're about. Yeah, but if you but go, you know, Melbourne schools are teaching these kids these days, anyway, as young as 10 years old. So they're no, like, yeah. uh, the Save Schools program, yeah, we're onto that. Nothing safe about uh, all that shit. But um, what's more important, though, is how we can help Infant Annihilator get even more recognition. That's so right. I want to see him banned on iTunes. I want to see him banned on YouTube and Facebook. All these guys have so much notoriety that they can make money from not being on any platform. Is it even possible? Uh, well, we'll find out. <laughs> <If I'm- laughs> um, good luck to them, guys. Now, I think, you know what? I did the same with Grand Theft Auto because I remember when a bunch of those uh, harpies, these three prostitutes, got it banned from Target. How prostitutes could get something banned is hilarious, but they didn't like the idea of women getting beaten up in the game, even though, one, it was voluntary, and two, there's only one girl who dies in the storyline, and it's because of her own stupidity. She runs into her like a, a plane's uh, engine. Oh, yeah. And these three women are like, ah, you know, it's so good. So Target were like, yeah, we'll, we'll take it off the shelves. And I went, you know what, fuck these guys. So because that chick ran into the plane, it propelled the... Um the actions oh of these God. prostitutes <laughs> getting a ban <laughs> cause it to action so anyway it got banned from Target they stopped selling it and now Target's going bankrupt so you know yeah that's, you know, that's why you, that good, good marketing decision guys taking one of the best selling games of all time and taking it off your shelves because three women are like yeah we don't like pixelated imageries um, but that's the thing I bought the game and I haven't played games for 10 years and I ended up buying GDA and playing it so I might do the same I we should buy Infant Annihilator's latest album review on the show Danny do they have an album like in the last year? Oh, God, or I hope so. Or is it going to be a retro review? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Well played. Well played. Two in two weeks. Well, we have got Arch Enemy coming up. So, uh. and speaking of Arch Enemy, yeah, they actually enemy. gave Jeff Loomis a birthday cake of Gene Simmons. <laughs> oh, wait. Really? Sorry, penis cake. So, oh. <laughs> it was hard to tell with the mullets and stuff. You actually, know? that's probably better than having Gene Simmons cake. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so lucky for Jeff Loomis, the guys from Arch Enemy have a sense of humor. And not only they uh, give me a dick cake, but they're also dicking him in real life by not letting him write any of the songs. <laughs> exactly. It's um, well it's like, come on, Jeff. Like, can't you see a sign in front of it? It's like literally when a hot girl is flirting with you and you're just like so ambiguous and so long confidence that you don't know what's actually happening. But eventually, like, she gets a brick and starts pounding into you and then you have a ring on your finger and you're married. Um, yeah, this is the opposite, isn't it? This is like, you got like an abusive relationship. They just keep like, yeah. Abusing you. Yeah. So, like, Jeff Loomis, uh, get out of our enemy. There's really no other yeah. way of saying it. But I love reading the article. The article's like, oh, it's good to see that they're all getting along, having fun, and that. He can, no, they're dicks. And yeah. that's what they're represented by the cake they choose because they can relate to that cake. They're fucking, well, so not effing. They should stop doing that to poor Jeff. He's a great bloke, 
very yeah. talented and, and they try to say oh but he wrote songs for Alyssa's new album it's like yeah because she can't probably write <laughs> she knows how good Jeff is and that's why she got Jeff along that's right Danny that's right uh, threat signal to release Disconnect in November wow. first song in six years wow, coming out say, yeah. I thought I remember that back Back in my younger days. Now, the interesting thing about Threat Signal was they started out as this original band. You know, they were doing all these combinations of groove metal from like the guys like Meshuggah and stuff like that and combining it with the Gothenburg sound coming out of Sweden. In Flames, Soilwork, you name it. And these guitarists, both of them were very proficient and stuff. Turns out the lead singer must be more harder to work with than... Um, in Stalin because he took more people out than the, the plague in uh, India or whatever. Oh, you, you could have said Stalin again. Oh, I guess Stalin would have made sense, right? So at the end of the day, what's happened is uh, Threat Signal now literally lost so many members, they decided to have a reinvigoration of it. And what they should have done is just called it a day and like, you know. But then again, it's easier to make money off of, you know, the work of other people, right? Such is life. Now, so this new track's going to drop. I've heard it, and I was a little bit like, it's not Threat Signal, because back in the day, they really set up a sound, and the Threat Signal Part 2 has come in, and it retains the heavy verse, catchy chorus, wash, repeat in their new style, you know? Um, have you, did you get a chance to listen to it at all, Danny? Nah, because again, for the same reason, I really liked the first album, and they started going away. Yeah, it, they've moved so far away from it that... You really understand what's going to happen, so we we'll probably sound like more like Lincoln Park in you know, the last couple. Yeah, yeah. So we'll probably get into it, but nothing to get too excited, friends. So if you are a threat, a threat signal fan, you did like the threat signal album, the EP, the uh, relaunch, as it would, uh, more of the same. So um, there you go. We're going to talk about uh, Danny Filth. Uh, we never thought we were satanic. We thought it was funny. Now this was in reference to the shirt that has the nun. Having sex with herself with a crucifix. Yeah, and on the back it says, Jesus is a country. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and they never thought that was satanic. That's what they were referring to. I don't yeah, know yeah. if they at any point think they're satanic, but they got. they, they must be pretty smart, these guys, because they know that uh, Satan sells and, and Norway's buying. So yeah. why not? Yeah, and they're from England, like yeah. a county in England. It's not like it's a really thing. But like Danny Phillips says, he, he, he befriended a lot of guys from Norway and Unfortunately, he knew some guys who did the church burning. And like he says himself, it was dumb. And even a lot of those guys there are like, yeah, it was dumb. We're idiots as kids. I'm like, yeah, you really were. So he's like very, he says he's very lucky he didn't get caught in that scene because he could have been in prison. But, you know, he's still dominating, creative filth, making tons of money, um, doing what he enjoys. Um, but he has his gimmick, you know, he gave himself a new name. He always wears corpse paints. He always wears those like fudged up contact lenses during yeah. interviews. So yeah. Everyone yeah, did it. Alice yeah, Cooper you know, gave himself a girl's name. That worked out pretty well for him. Oh, he always want to have sex with his hairdresser. <laughs> and his missus still you know, writes his checks and uses them for prostitution to make money for himself. Well, there you go. <laughs> so no real problems there. Um, speaking about making money for yourself, Megadeth Dave Mustaine reveals plans for a video game encompassing the band's history Danny, how do you make a video game of one guy who writes everything and does everything and does all the work and tours with four other guys that eventually get sick of him and join other bands? It's literally going to be like the new Final Fantasy games where <laughs> you just get like led down a path. No matter what you want to do, this is the path. So you'll be, and it'll be like a propaganda thing. So you'd be like, here, let's run to the band stage. Cool, let's yeah. do this Kometikov song. Oh, great. It's going to be uh, one of those boring sim emulators where it's basically one guy rotating a roster all the time and going to different places in the world and standing in front of the stage with a louder amp 
louder stuff, louder mic, and, um, and, the, and three talented musicians doing far less than they're capable of. And, and all of like, the bosses, if he has bosses, would be like members of Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, it's like um, the thing would be like your bandmates want to give you feedback and write more for the song. Will you say no or no? But please go on into another band. Like that's what he does. Like there's no managing. He just like either you toe the line or you go play for a band and make way less money. You reckon like behind the scenes is like his tour of his house, like the guy else had to pay for That's like last right. year. Yeah. So like uh, make fans pay exorbitant fees oh, to uh, yeah. sleep in your backyard. And it, it, it's put like a, a ton of like downloadable content. So every time you play the game, you have to keep buying more and more stuff. <laughs> to go to level two. You've got the Rust and Peace chapter one. In order to have the Rust and Peace uh, epilogue, buy this. <laughs> you can't complete the game until you keep buying new stages. Oh my God. Um... Yeah, good luck with that, uh, Dave Mustaine. I'm sure I won't be buying. Um, clutch. Oh, Matt won't be buying. Like, oh, sales. yeah, I know, right? Mega sales, but who's buying? Uh, clutch frontman. It sucks that a band has to do wacky social media to be recognized. Ah, I think it's the way it is right now. I mean, everyone is fighting for everyone's attention on the internet. There's way more people in an overpopulated uh, situation right now, and everyone's dying for that uh, sweet metal money. And after we get Metallica's Megadeth and Iron Maiden's kind of feed we're all left with the scraps basically yeah it's kind of like that isn't so it? what yeah. are you gonna do or what's your gimmick well you gotta do something or else you're gonna be like every other metal band yeah i mean look ghosts are made of like, living out gimmicks they're not made of living out of a gimmick so yeah. unfortunately kind of might be the way to go yeah um, the yeah. Uh, any the satan imagery in the whole norwegian thing whether they believe it or not uh as danny fields is just saying the black metal industry uh it does sell there's dimmy borgia are incredibly massive for being a, a very dark metal band, but it works out well for them. Although they have released, they have gone off of that Satan stuff a lot more, gone to more of the Viking stuff as the trend is right now. Yeah. So it works yeah. out for them. The Game of Thrones thing, maybe, and they come out, you know, like zombie Vikings. It works out for them. Zombie Vikings, interesting. So uh, with that, I guess, um, what would you do, Danny? Like, so you're uh, in a metal band right now. You did something wacky. What's something that you could do right now that no one else has done before? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jeez, man, put me on the yeah, spot so here. you can't yeah. go naked and stuff because Ramsay's done nah, that. You can't have yeah. like prosthetic penises and all yeah. that kind of stuff like that. Uh, you can't use violence because you know Death Metal's done that, right? Um, you can't do like decapitation because Alice Cooper. Yeah, or like was there was that guy who used to, like cut himself and like throw shit on the. So stands, I reckon we go so. the opposite. I reckon we go like completely normal. I reckon we have like a nine to five job, right? <laughs> where we wear a suit and a tiny shirt, yeah, okay. and we always we, like, we we crunch numbers. You know, we cut up celery, yeah, okay. and then we go home and play with the kids. I mean, no one's done that before. That'd be like, when when does it get really bad? And it never does. People were like more intrigued every week. That's that's almost like and yeah. I mean, it's more stable. Yeah. yeah. I actually do. I mean, it might not just be around music. It could be like around, like accounting, like you know, accounting. <laughs> well, I like to think if you've got any ideas there, guys, of how people could do it, we probably will steal it. So uh, if you want to inbox me so I can take all the credit rather than put it on our wall, uh, that's facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro. That way we know that uh, we can take it. But um, in the meantime, guys, we've got a lot of answers for our podcast questions. So uh, let's jump over to that. Podcast question of the week. What are some things that we don't like about the heavy metal genre? Now, Tom Morelli beat us to it. He uh, talked about things that he didn't like about the heavy metal genre. Uh, personally, I don't really care about Tom Morelli's hatred for metal. But I do care about what you fans have got to say. And then I'll ask Super Metal Brother Dan. And maybe we got time, I might have a coffee. Tom, Tom Morelli's not a fan of ours, is he? Uh, I don't think he oh, is right close. now. That was close. That was close. 
Jacob Fluffy Slippers, elitism and obsession about image. Needing to always have that metal look or pretending to be dark and menacing just to be metal. It shits me off so much. Seriously, people grab a drink and enjoy the music. Danny, have you ever experienced people being so metal that it pisses you off? Yeah, not really in Adelaide when I go see the people like in like the gigs, etc. But yeah, internet more so. Mm. When people say, oh, my genre of metal is better than your genre of metal or if you don't dress with like, I don't know, patches on, you're not metal and blah, blah, blah. It, it can get very redundant. Yeah, like you'll see someone that, uh, again, does hairdressing maybe, um, you know, looks looks pretty normal and stuff like that. Turns out like Bullet For My Valentine, it's like, oh yeah, you're not into real metal. You don't look like one and you named a band that uh, makes way too much money and doesn't have like, you know, guys that sound like in their 13 year olds or whatever, you know, but it does, that's the problem, I guess. But um, I understand to a degree, um, but I'm also like, uh, we did touch on this last week a little bit, didn't we, about how metal, like, you know, metal has that certain thing about it, you know, what makes it cool and stuff. So, uh, good point though, you know, it, it does exist. There is a metal look and sometimes maybe we are chained to it, you know. Uh, Amy Carson, do metal speaks for itself really. Also in regards to a metal t-shirts, it pees me off that pretty much every band shirt is the same style. I'd love to promote my favorite bands more often with a shirt that, but they pretty much come in the same t-shirt style. It comes right up the neck and even in the women's style. Uh, she wants something a little bit more flattering. So let's take on the first thing, do metal. Uh, there is something to say about a song that's seven minutes long that has three riffs and that has three minutes in between those three riffs. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like someone left the microphone on and every now and then someone like a stage hand comes past and bumps into by mistake. <laughs> And it was doing, and it got really good like sustains. It just sticks for like ever. It's just, it's just. I don't know. I don't I really don't know. It's like I don't know you got to hear the notes in between those notes. Like, <laughs> I can do that at home. <laughs> Man, yeah, like it's yeah, the yeah, jazz. It's oh, the pretentiousness yeah, yeah, yeah. of jazz in the heavy metal industry. Sorry to all those people who ripped off um, much better riffs from uh, Black Sabbath. Well, yeah, I mean, at least their Doom Metal had some, like, urgency about it compared to these doom, black Doom Metal people. Doom, Doom, that, that classic Black yeah. South. That's a Doom Metal riff, right? Yeah, there was, but then at least it picks up a bit later on. Second thing, flattering T-shirts. Now, this is interesting. I think bands can get into a place where it's easy to get your CD print, put it on a T-shirt and try to sell it. Um, so a bit of imagination when you see from Behemoth, for example. Have you seen their frigging T-shirts? Oh, they not yeah. Their T-shirts are looking everything, really good. Yeah, everything is everything. super, super yeah. cool. Um, so they're smart about doing their merchandise. But now um, they have the money behind them to do it though, as well. You know. Oh, that's a good idea. This women flattering thing, though. I I agree, man. How can we uh, make sure we can get metal T-shirts to show off those luscious and curvaceous curves? On the women out there and the men in metal, I've been working on my boots. I've been going to the gym doing my chest. I think I've got some nipples that people want to see. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just look down and like, no, you don't. <laughs> um, they don't know that. They haven't seen me. This is a podcast. Yeah, I'm your brother. I'm not really like, comment about that shit. <laughs> Bradham CFC bands recruiting talented musicians and not letting them have any inclusion of writing new material. Oh my god, Bradham, <laughs> you are my ghost of uh, another host, uh, ghost my spirit child. Yeah, Thank yeah, you very yeah. much. Basically, they don't use them out of uh, the fear that it will change the band too much. This one's for you, Matt. Brayden knows me so much right now. I need to consider if I'm not her homosexual and dating he, my he, girlfriend. He needs to have like anti-penis cake because of the old, you know. Basically, he's yeah. supposed hired guns putting themselves in this position. We've seen this yeah. happen before. We've seen a band take a very talented artist to use them in order to make more of a brand recognition and compromising 
what could have been or maybe trying to further a sound, okay? Uh, aside from the arch enemy with Jeff Loomis, because that is the hottest one right now and every single person out there can agree from it, from the most hardcore Bible bashing arch enemy, uh, you know, like because they've got like the arch enemy handbook, yeah. you know, to your do metal guy, right? You know, separate them between. Um, we know Jeff Loomis is being underutilized. What's a band that comes to your mind that has a musician in there that does not belong there, Danny? Oh, I guess you have our band at Megadeth as well because like it's oh, like, it's Chris Boderick. Yeah, he yeah. had to get out of there. Yeah. I mean, the guy the guy can shred so fast. It sounds like a typewriter being done by a chimpanzee addicted to meth. And then you got like um, Kiko Loreno in there, who's in there. He's gonna eventually leave. You know, he's not gonna be able to write. He's just playing solos that were written by the guitarist Marty Friedman, for example. And uh, look what happened to Marty Friedman now. I mean, he's out. He's making himself killing in Japan. Yeah. Dominate. You know, Chris Broderick's now an actor defiance, which we should really review that album, Danny. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, coming off the top of my head, I don't really know right now because I'm still kind of remember that Braden wrote that message for me. So I'm just going to go on to Clayton Carson. The Clayton, not Ben Carson. Yeah, ben died guy. last week. Don't even think he's coming back. Did he? Shit. It's American. We, I killed him. I killed uh, him dead. He's in my trunk. How new bands rip off old school bands by taking their riffs or borrow it? It is cool to play the same style, but not blatantly ripping them off. Yeah, there is a, a being inspired by it, which is generally taking an idea that the band would have given you and then kind of putting it in a different key, sl- speeding it up, slowing it down. But uh, bands do rip people off. Some bands rip themselves off. We've talked about Disturbed many times on this album, uh, on this podcast, sorry. Yeah, we also talked about uh, Disturbed many times. Did <laughs> <laughs> so I mention we talked about Disturbed? Um, you can even talk, joke. you know, that's the thing. You can even put bands like Meshuggah in there. I mean, come yeah. on, that last album they did, if you put down the Colossus album and maybe even put down the Nothing album or the Catch 33, not many people were going to know that aren't Meshuggah diehard fans, yeah. surely. And it's even like Trivium sound like Metallica and then it's a Metallica sound a lot like I think it was Emperor, so Crater or something at the time. So... I would, I would agree with no. Clayton here, unless it's their first album. If it's their first album, I'm way, I'm way about giving an idea, giving them a chance to get themselves their writing done and establish themselves in the industry. So if they do found too similar, similar to, sorry, to a certain other bands, I'm a lot more apologetic about it. But when it's like you know, um, a cash grab or someone trying to to phone in on something, then I do get a little bit worried about that. Um, well, we'll talk about Andreas Lopez now, though. Uh, how new bands rip off old... Oh, sorry. I've already said that one. Um, sorry. Uh, Josh Rigby. Sorry. Josh Rigby. I don't like... Oh, sorry. No. Oh, oh my God. I confused those two together. That was actually Andre Lopez's answer. This is Clayton. Sorry. Clayton's is people arguing over genres and subgenres and hating on a band if they decide to try something different or new. If it's hard, heavy, I like it, and that's all I care about. People arguing about genres and subgenres. Danny, go. Yeah, that's a... That's one that's, again, growing in popularity. Again, it's like easy, like, oh, I like my genre, therefore it's better than yours because it's heavier or whatever excuse. I, I remember we interviewed uh, like Steve Liebman, the artist, and he said like, back in the 80s, it wasn't really like, such thing as genres. No. But now it's like everything's a subgenre and everything has to be categorized in a subgenre to the point yeah. that they're making new like subgenres or subgenres yeah. to shoebox yeah. someone. Metal's good. Um, the only subject you have to worry about is bad metal, which is power metal. And everything else, <laughs> <laughs> everything else is fine. Like, it's just, we can listen to it and groove out and enjoy life. But yeah, that's why people like what they like. Let them go, man. Um, Josh Rigby, though. All the power to him. 
I don't, uh, I don't like the narrow mindset of some fans unwilling to give different subgenres or heavy music a proper listen. I'll get shit for being a fan of metalcore or hardcore by my friends who strictly like metal bands, but I enjoy the same bands as much as they do. Wouldn't fans of heavy music prefer to any type of heavy metal or current trendy shit played uh, every day on the radio? I guess the problem is that um, the way it is, you know, people obviously are very passionate about their things. Uh, Josh does touch on something though that is we did talk about last week though, and that was um, kind of like when it's uh, too much commercialized, maybe it's been produced for a radio sound. Um, I guess maybe what he's saying is there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if, if there's a metal band that's making a buck out of it and they found a formula that works for them, like Nickelback, like Meshuggah, oh, I went there. Um, there's not an issue, right? Who cares? If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Uh, if you do lose friends, if, hey, look, if, if you're friends, right? Here, Josh, I want to talk to you for a second. <laughs> let, let Uncle okay. Super Metal Brother Matt talk to you. If your friends don't like you listening to those things, you need to get some new friends. And Josh, I'll be your friend but last week, I was at your show seeing Arcadia play live and I did buy my girlfriend a heavy metal shirt and they went to the crowd saying that this guy here wears women's smalls. So maybe Josh Rugby can eat the side of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's part true. So anyway. Um, Eleanor Barlow. I know this. This is a good question, Daniel. I love this. I find it hard to listen to metal because it's too fast, loud and aggressive, I think. She's just listening to the wrong metal. But Danny, what words can you bestow on Eleanor? <laughs> well, the question's like, what do you like about metal? Like, so you just don't like metal. Is that, <laughs> is that what you just said? <laughs> it's like, why do you like the color of blue? Oh, look at it. It's just all blue. It's all blue. <laughs> why can't it be orange? Where's the green in it? I don't see it. Hey. Yeah. So Eleanor, I think, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> Look, the Cow thing is, is the answer. Yeah. Look, before before we, Zandria lost their really hot singer, maybe you can listen to some of that stuff with the old school, uh, you know, um, Diana Van yeah. Gisberg or something. Yeah, there yeah. is a part of metal that everyone can like. It is incredibly diverse, but it gets thrown into metal because they might do a riff that's just that little too edgy, too little much distortion for uh, you know Triple M to put on there. Well, to me, to, I reckon the most the most two popular songs ever recorded is Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. And Stairway to Heaven for Led Zeppelin because they both have massive heavy rock out sections in the middle. And I reckon that is what makes their songs so like attractive to people. Yeah. So I reckon everybody's a closet metalhead to a degree and they just yeah. won't admit it. Yeah, it's because the, the, that negative stereotype they don't want to tie themselves to. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. It's like, oh, they swear they're screaming for. And it's like, isn't that, isn't this, it's okay. We can be okay with screaming. But Eleanor, we love you for it. Thank you for giving us a great answer. Um, you know, Did we you should say, do that. No, great. Just say answer. <laughs> Kaya Elliott, not a massive fan of that pirate Viking metal thing. She doesn't get it. I don't really get it yeah, much either. Yeah, I don't get yeah, it either. Yeah. That's, 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 well, at least you got the quota of dad jokes from your uh, Superman brother, Dan. Yeah, eh? that's, 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 that's why I'm here, man. That's why I'm here. Um, Viking Viking metal we kind of touched on with Sabaton a little bit. That guy does sound like someone who could pillage the shit out of Sweden. Yeah, true. I think there's was it is it Ailstorm? Is that like the big pirate metal band going? Yeah, because Hailstorm's yeah. got that singer Ailstorm's who's kind of hail, but Ailstorm's yeah. the pirate band. Ah, uh, again, it's one of those gimmick things. You have like you may have Viking metal. Yeah, those guys who pretend they're like Ned Flanders metal band. Yeah, you like a, a McDonald's heavy metal band, and yeah, uh, oh, always, like, what is for you then? What don't you like about the heavy metal genre? Is that everybody? Yeah, it's everybody. Well, I don't like. Okay, this is why I don't like heavy metal genre. I like the fact that someone could spend twenty years 
becoming a master instrument, writing fantastic songs, and can't make a living out of it. That's what I don't like about a heavy metal genre, Matt. It's very hard to see that right now, how people can make an honest living, apart from separating yourself, like the Obscurus and stuff like that. Or Master Don Azzo, they went on Metalheads or some bullshit. I can't handle that I have this... Uh, I guess I'm a hypocrite because I don't like power metal, yet I'll jump and defend singers like the guy from Mercenary and Blind Guardian. the guy from Blind Guardian and the guy from Child Wars of the Dam. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim, Tim Ripper Owens. Tim Ripper Owens and because he's from Ice Earth as well. Dane, sort of. Roll Dane, uh, you know. Russell uh, Allen, sort Pyramaze of again. And I'm like, wow, but... There's something about when I hear Iron Maiden do it and it makes me want to like just smash my head against a brick wall and so I forgot all those memories about listening to Iron Maiden. So I don't really know how I can live with myself being the piece of crap that I am. Like how do I... How do I That's right. I'm, I'm the moral centre of so this So the, what, the thing I hate about heavy metal genre is Sif Metal Brother Matt. <laughs> wow, we just had a breakthrough, man. <laughs> just gonna talk these That's the end out. of the podcast for this week. It's been a lot of pleasure. I'm just going to commit myself. Yeah, just lie down on that couch. We'll talk more about your problems. Um, when did you first think about hating yourself? And here's me like, being a leader's asshole, telling Josh Rigby how to live his life. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how we can get over this without uh, making any more attention drawn to it. So I guess we can thank our fans and uh, call it a day for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> that was good. Thanks for all the comments. It's great. But like you're saying, let, let people enjoy the metal they want. You might not like it, but let them enjoy it. It's kind of the biggest thing at the moment. Yeah, right now it needs everything it can get and uh, there's a lot of people who are working really hard in the scene to try to bring it back to a place where uh, we can kind of like not make money out of it but at least get off of uh, the streets and uh, drink clean water which I think is the most important thing about being a metalhead and that's being able to live. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Right now it can look pretty desolate for some bands, you know, and uh, we want to just kind of get more of those people in that Metallica money and make sure Metallica can, uh, you know, I think after the second uh, Shack guys, you, or the second uh, Motel slash Mansion, that makes Caesar's Palace jealous. I think you can decide that, yeah, maybe we can give back a little bit more. Yeah, retire and let everybody else get some of that money. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for your answers this week. I really appreciate it. I got a hell of a laugh out of this one. That was really good. Um, but this time we now, we have to go now to our retro review that we promised you. So let's over and uh, have a listen to it. Danny, you got a coffee, it's white, but what is it missing? Mmm, me think sugar. Yeah, that's right, my man. But sugar is the band, Sweden is where it came from. Death, thrash, progressive, slash jazz fusion is its breed. Or should I say, future breed machine. Mm. We are talking about the Destroyer Race Improved album, but that is the best track off of it. But we need to talk about this band, Sugar, because it is right now the most influential heavy metal band in this Current generation. Wow, well, be cool, man. Yeah, go on. It is a band that has influenced a whole new genre. It has helped other genres like uh, jazz and like fusion, as well as it's helped itself. Um, it's brought in different instrumentations that people use as well, from the seven to eight strings. Although seven strings were being popular by bands like Korn, the eight string movement was really pronounced with uh, Mashuga as well. Um, I guess right now, I guess we'll talk a little bit what sugar is and what it isn't, Danny. Well, it's not sugar. That's right. Yeah. It's actually nothing you put in your coffee. Um, no. But what it is, is complex rhythmical writing. Uh, it features song structures that are, I guess, a little confusing to people that don't understand about what po- polymetric is. And what that is, is like you have two time signatures laying over the top of each other. And that is their trademark. 
what that means for the people out there who aren't musicians is generally to the admittance of the band, it's 4-4 four, four time, which means it's four beats in each bar, right? But what the guitarists and other musicians do that aren't the drummer is play other times over that. And so they'll have a cycle of something that goes for three beats instead of the four. So the drum will have something, a cycle of four beats, but the guitarist will at three and eventually, you know, three into 12, whatever. It all, it all comes around eventually. And that's what makes them unique. They do a lot of this kind of rhythmic design, right? They also do stuff like combining so many elements, Danny. What kind of elements do you think the Meshuggah could get together for this album in particular? Yeah, they combine like guitars and bass and drums. And well, that was really good, Danny. I'm <laughs> no, glad you're sitting across from me. No, I tell you, they got things like, they do the thing, what's called uh, mathematical uh, metal. metal. They have uh, industrial metal as part of it. They do, you can hear the jazz influence in it. That's, oh, that's yeah. true. This album in particular, that fusion yeah. style from uh, good old Alan Holdsworth, you know, he wasn't making any money, but it's good to know that these guys are. Well, I guess he's dead now, so it'd be hard for him to make money, I guess, now. Well, that's true. And that, I mean, because I guess gent, but these were like pre-gents, so I don't know what you've called back then, just like groove, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of pretty much it. It's like thrash metal, really. But um, anyway, uh, the album was ranked 42 on Rolling Stone's 50th greatest prog albums of all time. I'm sure the Black Album got number one there. They said prog albums. Yeah, this is actually uh, considered a prog, prog album. Yeah. And I guess it is progressive because like there's very heavy metal distortion and it's got Alan Holdsworth licks in there. So I guess that's pretty progressive, Danny, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, God, yeah you know, don't take Rolling Stones everything. They're bankrupt now anyway. Doing all their bogus <laughs> news stories, so suck them. Uh, I want to talk about this album because there's Is a that lot... that's our job? Because <laughs> we promised we would. <laughs> but more importantly, I want to talk about every single track off this album because it is really awesome. And it had a lot of, I guess, back in the day, it would like everyone now litting up and knows who they are. But what made this album great for us listening to it well, straight from the very get-go, uh, the song Future Breed Machine is a heavy metal anthem. It is a staple for everyone out there. They should know what the song is and they should know where to buy it. Danny, no kidding. This song is why you get into metal. Yeah, no, it's very, it was great. I'm, the first time we heard it was on a cassette. That's how old wow. it was. You had a cassette of it and we play, played a mum's old uh, Corolla. Yeah. And I remember you, the intro was there, like, again, industrial sounds, mechanical sounds, and it cuts into that, like, yeah, like a pinch harmonic, whatever it was, and it cuts in, and that was awesome. I saw, I heard that once. I heard that, I was like, wow, this is great. This is different. I'm enjoying it, and it keeps going in like a stronger, stronger, good, solid groove. Then it cuts down into the middle, and it's all like a bit like hum. ambience, the fusion style, yeah. yeah. And again, it cuts back into a bit heavier again because like, I think it's you know the creation of a machine type thing and coming back. Yeah, and that's the course. one thing you get straight away. It really does sound like this machine where it just tumbling and rolling and crushing everything in its wake. You know, it's a uh, this kind of humanized um, becoming into a machine, you know, really come into a robot kind of thing. It just feels like that's the way that these guys do it. But it really does sound it there. Everything sounds very robotic and natural and organic almost, which is kind of weird to be talking about machinery in that pretense. But it is, you know. Um, the, the track in itself is a staple for anyone with Sugar fans or metal, heavy metal fans. Then we go into songs like Beneath, which still keep the energy about it. You know, it has that great little intro at the start. But some really pronounced bass-like lines to get into the groove that's really set up through the whole song. Um, some incredible drumming work as well to go through it. Um, there's pronounced uh, echoey sounds coming from Thought and Al as well. I mean, the track's got just... It just goes the whole time, doesn't it, Danny? Yeah, no, definitely right. And the yeah, drumming's definitely very pronounced for this song and even next song, Soul Burn. just like... They do pretty much, I think, uh, I guess you call it like a drum out. They just go mm. like full jazz and full like technically I could never figure out the ends of um, 
the uh, Beneath album, what they're doing, it sounds like a, um, a typewriter connected to a, like a mental patient who's uh, speaking in um, binary. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I guess it's it could be that, couldn't it? I mean, it's the whole thing about man becoming a machine type issue, so mm. that could be a reflection of what they're going for. And they do that quite throughout the album with using that guitar tone. I mean, and a lot of it's when they go into like guitar solos. They're really solos. It's kind of very sporadic. Yeah. Um, plays with, I guess, the really high end of the guitar to make yeah. it that whole like computer programming um yeah, it doesn't seem like it's yeah. in a key or anything. It just seems like he's just... But it, it's got a good sense of rhythm and he's got a very strong sense of, uh, yeah, where, where notes should go, even if the note itself doesn't necessarily belong in a key sense or anything. But it seems like the right one to play, you know. It's um, very Evelyn's in jazz, you know, where it's basically like, you know, you just kind of go for it, make sure it lands, be confident where it lands and you would consider it a genius. Um, but this is the thing, we're four tracks in now with Transfiction right now and that's a really nice, fast intro to go into a real hard, heavy-hitting song. And the thing about this album that many of Michigan albums even afterwards struggle with is an energy. And this album really does have a certain energy about it, Danny. Yeah, no, definitely. Even, again, when it goes to the end, it gets like stripped back after high... Like, yeah, the last two tracks would be a little bit more yeah. stripped back. But even the like, tracks fiction, like the last, it's more, it has like a really aggressive type attacking ending, yeah. which is a bit different to um, how the song starts, be more like fast paced. So again, I mean, you could argue that's what progressive is, going through the song progresses through and has different elements, part of it. So they don't mind doing that, which is good to hear. Yeah, because then it starts with songs like Vanish, Suffering, Truth and Sublevels. They start to like show... I guess the, uh, the Meshuggah style that's become prolific now where it's much more slow, methodical, crushing uh, and um, I guess a little bit more taken away from such bizarre elements that um, with their fastness, like you were saying before, you know, but it still retains that uh, classic rhythmic feel that Meshuggah bring. Yeah, and Fanish, I mean, it goes pretty much after the first chorus. It has like a whole like two and a half minutes, three minutes of pretty much you say experimental jazz type oh uh, yeah it's just it's just all the, all the guys that just seem to like having a, bit, a jam session that's oh we'll record this yeah, that sounded pretty good we'll keep it yeah uh, I like stuff like though with the um, crushingness of like suffering truth as well where it kind of has that thrash metal like you know that classic driving tune to it but also just that big power that uh, they really brought. And that's the one thing about this album I really like is the dichotomy between having slow crunching riffs and fast um, crushing I guess no it's not the right word but it's more like adrenaline pumping mm, and yeah, yeah. Uh, forward motion you know yeah, that you get a lot of which it's a shame because they've gone so low now that I think it's impossible for the guitarists to get out what they really want uh, they sort of touched on it with that song from Zen, the first track off that and that had something some of that that was taken back to the old days but most of Meshuggah now is really much in that slow to medium pace uh, and it doesn't give them too much to kind of go through. And this band had so much more creativity back then to push more boundaries. Yeah, definitely right. And even internally, so like the musicians themselves um, also like can do that battling thing where you have like the tense drumming and the like kind of more softer guitar tones at times. I like had that bit of dichotomy there, which is good to hear. Mm. Um, yeah, I could go back to like track eight. I guess the end gets a bit more intense with his screaming compared to the other songs. Like, he just there's one part where he has the um, sing over the drum hits that gets very intense. That's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of these like little subtleties and everything. I guess again trying to go for that. Yeah, telling a story. Well, the thing is, is, is that the rhythms are, I guess they're not they're simple in design, but they're played in a way that is unusual. And I'm guessing that polymetric thing we were talking about before where the guitarists are definitely doing another rhythm that the drummer 
might not necessarily be doing, but it seems to work really well. But it did it just enough where it sounded a little unusual, but it still felt really heavy and you could headbang to it. There was a familiarity between the drummer. So he's hitting, he's hitting the cymbals just enough for you to keep following on it. But the guitarist is just pulling you away from it, but it's all kind of working together. And it's headbanging. I mean, I can headbang this whole album and it feels an easy transition for bands to get into Michigan with this album as later on when they can get a little bit more chaotic in their, um, uh, in their structures. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's just a really good... Um, I mean, for their time as well, they really went five, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if they got like inspiration, like a long, drawing long bow here, but from like the Panteras with the whole really strong groove elements in it. I'm not yeah. really sure if they actually had that as a a way they base some of their stuff on because these guys are very groovy at times. Oh, yeah. The drumming keeps it going throughout most of their songs. That was the thing. This thing was a departure from their very early works like Contradiction Collapse where it was literally a Metallica uh, rip-off where we're talking about what Clark Carson was saying before where they really were. In fact, Jens at the time was a ring-in for Hetfield. It was scary, but they had thrashers that were kind of starting to show their syncopated side to it as well. So even though those riffs were familiar in the thrash style and a higher tuning, um, you could really start to tell where the foundations were being laid for later albums. And who would have thought, though, it would have taken only the second album cycle to to find the voice that they needed. Yeah, I mean, like, again, there are some issues with the styling because, oh, yeah. again, it is very experimental. You don't, they don't hold on to like, riffs for that long. And because of that conflicting bass... And the drumming and guitaring, it's hard for you to like really get engaged to it because they are always conflicting. So it, it, it forces the style, and yeah. if you don't like that style and the gent style, it could be hard to get into. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I found like as well, it, it always seems to be like a minor tone or like a sad tone to their songs and albums. You know, I like it though in this one because it's more. It feels like there's more of a key center now. Like lately, it's just it's just nonsensical now. I think they're just literally doing things now to push how far they can make things tense and and almost agonizing. But um, back in the day, I, I, I agree. It still felt like they were in a key center here, and I think that what helps them to get more of a commercial appeal. Then uh, now, I guess they they can just rest on their laurels because they've made such a name for themselves that the fans are so large now that they're going to like them regardless. And people in the heavy metal genre now from Devin Townsend or that put these guys over so much that uh, literally just word of mouth is probably enough for these guys too. Yeah, true. And they're great on stage as well. Like, oh, Tynus is ridiculous show, yeah. on stage. Although I would argue back in the day they had more energy and more drive. I think maybe now because they've been doing it for so long and uh, the riffs themselves now don't really lend themselves to it as much as they did on this album. But yeah. I, I think this is probably the best album for fans to get a sense of what the band's like. And then... Kind of, I reckon go through it because at least this is like a seven string, it's low and stuff. Uh, now though, you know, so much access to the new material, and they're obviously you'll hear it everywhere. But um, this album should really be pronounced as one of the best heavy metal albums uh, of all time. Oh, apparently got 42 on Rolling Stones Progressive, yeah, charts, that's right. Yeah. Look what happened to them, man. They should have put it higher, <laughs> uh, higher, uh, but it is, yeah. And there's a reason why these guys are so well respected. And uh, this is when at the time they were really being innovative and taking risks and gambles. And they were showing that in song structures that weren't just heavy metal risks, it was everything fast, slow, your jazz, death metal, and everything in between. And that was something, uh, all, all but always focusing around grooves that drove the songs forward. And yeah. um, that for that, you know, it's as simple as in design. They had a knack for it. And uh, I really like the album, dude. I really think that Meshuggah's uh, one of Meshuggah's finest. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yes, yes. It was, I enjoyed it as well. Um, I mean, 
yeah, one of the first like really heavy albums I got into. Yep. Again, yeah, if if you're being if you feel a bit sad, I won't listen to it for some reason. Every every Mushuk album I hear always just seems to have like a sad undertonings to it and kind of gets you bummed out, bummed out a bit. At so. least if someone's got energy though, because the other ones now you're right, like uh, especially the last album we reviewed, it's just sad and dreary the whole way yeah. through, and it's just beats you the whole time. Yeah. Whereas this one, at least you've got songs like Future Breed Machine beneath and a couple of others that um drive it forward yeah. you know i mean that last track really kicks into even though it takes a while it really kicks into it man like din, 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 din. Oh, i think it's great man it's so it's adrenaline but it's like just a shot in the arm you know yeah, yeah. i really yeah. do it cool so, so um yeah Mashuga, if you haven't checked him out um oh, yes you have you have checked Mashuga out but check out this album destroy race and pre because uh, even just for a bit of history, to see how far a genre can go from one band to then push themselves to the point of literally inspiring a whole genre, must be said that that is a testament. Even if you don't like it, you can definitely respect it. Yeah, especially like at that time, like new metal was really like dominating. So to come with something like this and become quite opposite then, make make a bit of a wave of ripple out of that, mm. it's quite good as well. That's right. Yeah. So with that, with the end of the review, make sure you check out Meshuggah's Destroyer Race and Preve album. Danny, yep. you're at the end of our show. Well, yeah, and in the words of Meshuggah, evolution in reverse, now it's time for me. Changing what I am to be, contorted and externi- and eternity, defeated. By a new machine. <laughs> I really got to learn how to read. Ah, it's fine. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. The thing is, we are getting closer to the end of the year, Danny. We've got only three months left after this one. Two months. Uh, We're actually... It's October. Yeah. No, September. September. Yeah, yeah September, October, November, yeah, December. So, yeah, yeah, we are. We're in September, which means we're getting close to the final year, which means the top 10. Yeah. You know? We start, start thinking about that. And it also means uh, our bottom five as well. Yeah. I think we might even be able to have bottom 10. We've reviewed a lot of albums this actually, year. Actually, last year, we only did like 20 albums or so. This year, we're actually going to do at least, without the retro reviews, about... Over 45. Yeah, so, so. so I think we'll, we have to look into it. Uh, but uh, saying that you guys want to listen to it or give us a review, to, a CD to review, I did promise that uh, if we could find other albums to do, we wouldn't review uh, Arch Enemy next week. But I think you guys are sadistics and want to see me complain and bitch and moan. Like our friend Brayden, you know, yeah. you want to hear what we have to say about it. And I think we'll have to review Arch Enemy this week. That should be emotional for someone. <laughs> I've already kind of... T- I've beaten everyone to it and I've had a little bit of a listen, but I'm not going to say it until you guys uh, tune in with us next week to really hear what I have to say about it. I'll try combining my thoughts and compile like a passionate... Uh, you know, well thought out. You know, you guys don't want to hear me talk shit. Nah. Like, you know, if, if you do that, I'll just put like, the thing next to my phone and uh, next to the toilet and uh, it's a Disturbs latest album. So <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, sure. Anyway, it should be interesting how you review it. Absolutely. And with that, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We have been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you for tuning in this week. I guess we'll catch you next week. Yeah.